Well, after a couple of week hiatus, we are back. It is Louisville Bats franchise at 40, the podcast celebrating 40 years of this baseball franchise in Louisville. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm Nick Curran. Thanks for uh, however you may be checking us out. We appreciate the uh, subscribe, the download, the the review. If you rate us as well, we certainly appreciate all that. Uh, whether you're checking in on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, however you found us, we appreciate you checking it out. Uh, a couple of week break, but back at it this week. And uh, as we drop this, it is Derby Week in Louisville. And uh, well, we haven't talked to a player yet. And this week is our first uh, episode talking to someone who played for the bats and and maybe the uh, well I don't think there's any question about it the most synonymous bats player from over the years and and maybe the most synonymous from 40 years of this franchise with this Louisville baseball team is one Corky Miller uh, the catcher the only man who has played for this team that has his number retired at Louisville Slugger Field his number eight hangs behind home plate uh, he played parts of 10 different seasons with Louisville, Louisville Slugger Field, his home ballpark as a river bat and then a bat. And, uh, well, the franchise record holder in games play, doubles, uh, a number of other categories way up there in franchise history, and certainly true longevity, a true unique personality, and and that uh, trademark stash from over the years, the goatee, etc., uh, Corky, a fan favorite for sure, and no more appropriate player to be our first player guest on this podcast. Uh, have some exciting episodes upcoming, but uh, Corky, a, a huge name, and certainly this series would not be complete without being able to talk to the legendary Corky Miller. Here he is, Corky Miller on Louisville Bats franchise at forty. Corky, appreciate you. Appreciate you doing this. No, I am. I'm happy to be here, and glad you asked me. Uh, well, no more appropriate person, I think, when celebrating 40 years of uh, of this franchise than than you. And um, want to go back and kind of start at at the beginning for you. Uh, you you were drafted by the Angels at a high school, decided to to go to college, and then uh, signed with the Reds out of out of Nevada. Kind of the original T.J. Friedel, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, what what went into that for you? Deciding not to go with the Angels and deciding to to go to school and then and then winding up with the Reds. Um, well, that uh, back then, which we've now adopted again, is, is the draft and follow. Um, so you know when I got drafted in '94 um, by the Angels in the 22nd round, I believe it was. There wasn't that uh, the amount of money to get down. Even I think past the first six six rounds, they were waiting sure. for. Um, I think McKay Christensen was their number one draft pick, um, and they were going to offer him $150,000 or something, you know, like a lot different money. But it was a draft and follow, so I had to uh, go to a junior college um, in order to be signed the next year. So I went to a junior college. Um, They had offered me, um, I think, $7,000 and $7,000 for school. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know, you know, what, what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to play baseball. I, I, I thought we had a guy, uh, Taiwan Walker, no, Taiwan Ty, Walker is also in the big leagues from Ukaipa. Uh, sure. Ty, Tyrone Hill was a number one draft pick by the Brewers out of Ukaipa High School in 91. And, you know, so it was like, what, what am I worth? And, you know, I, I thought, well, if I asked for 25000 cash instead of the half school half cash that maybe that would work and they kind of just said no and (laughs) so from then on I you know I I did another year of junior college and then only really went on one recruiting trip and that was to Nevada Reno and um, ended up playing there for two years and you know didn't get drafted out of there either Um, so it was one of those things it was you know just kind of fortuitous what happened you get into the Reds organization, and then uh, uh, first time to AAA was back in 2001. Uh, what were your initial impressions like when you walked in to Louisville and sort of initial impressions when you got to Louisville Slugger Field, which was brand new back then, only in its second year? Yeah, um, you know, it was one of those situations where uh, 2000 was the first 
uh, year for Chattanooga Stadium, I think for Dayton Stadium, and and for Louisville Stadium. So, you know, thinking about it in, in 2000 was like, oh, I don't care where I go. I mean, I spent half a year in Chattanooga th in 99, and then grinded through another year of double uh, a ball in chattanooga which you know i thought i played well i mean the all-star team did all that stuff and in 2001 we had, had gotten uh another catcher so i was playing every other day and it was kind of different from the first couple years um, but then all of a sudden you know caught fire got called up at uh the all-star break to go to louisville in another brand new stadium so it was it was pretty cool Back then, I think the average age of of the Louisville team was 32. You know, and I was older. Yeah, it was a lot of veterans. Um, Matt Wallback was the catcher, and, and Tim Spires was was there. Um, and it was kind of one of those things that I, I, I was really confident in my catching abilities. I was hitting really well, and you know, it was just a different experience. But um, you know still the same in the regs organization just not with a lot of guys that i knew sure you kind of go into the the older what do you remember i know you had a chance to to reunite with a lot of those guys last year part of the uh the, the anniversary the 20-year anniversary of that 01 team winning an right. international league title what do you remember about that group obviously uh dave miley the manager and, yeah. and a really really good team yeah no it was um again like we had a bunch of veterans and some of us young guys like I think Adam uh, Adam Dunn was up there and Austin Kearns and guys like that that pr obviously progressed to the big leagues at that time. Um, you know, I think we we weren't on the playoff roster because we were all in the big leagues, but we had an integral part of yeah. of getting to the playoffs. And, you know, some of the older guys that were, were, were there, like, they helped me, you know, and – I wasn't going to say I was cocky, but, again, I was real confident in how I was catching and how I was hitting. I think I hit, you know, 340 in in the couple months that I was there, you know, not even thinking about anything, you know, and throwing. I remember the first day I got there and, and Walbeck and Spires or Spears, you know, grabbed me and said, well, this team likes to run. You know, they, they wanted they've been stealing bases on us all year. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I love to throw, you know, and I ended up throwing out three guys in the first game and they, you know, kind of pulled me aside. Oh, you think you're that good? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember them grabbing me. I think after two days in Louisville, we, we, uh, drove to Durham and we went out to dinner and Tim, Tim Spear grabs me and pulls me into the kitchen. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And he's like, getting all over me like hey man you got to watch what you're doing and, you know you're not that good and I was like oh, I'm sorry you know and it, it was pretty cool how how that that works out with the veteran guys and um you know unfortunately that year it was 9-11 happened sure. and so the 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 playoffs got cut short but we did win the first game so it was given to us and it was exciting I have the ring still and you know, it was fun to see those guys again in Louisville last year. Uh, do you have any good Dave Miley stories? A lot of people, uh, a lot of people do. There's some good ones that we've heard from Jim Kelch and, and others over the years. You know, I, Dave. Dave was, you know, he was a, a great manager. Uh, he was he was a guy that kind of gave the team the ability to police themselves and, and handle themselves. Um, you know, he he was simple. Um, but he, he always had your back. You know, knowing Dave over the years, I mean, I did a thing for him uh, last year um, in his hometown, I think in Pooh, his wife's hometown, uh, for the baseball team, and he's the same guy, you know. And, and he's funny. He can be, he can be a hard ass, and, and he could talk. And I, 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 the first time I, I got called up, you know, it was like kind of nonchalant and – you know, who are you, blah, blah, blah. And my dad had came in town first time he seen me play professional ball and, you know, getting ready to play, and he calls me in the office and he says, um, well, Chattanooga's going to the playoffs. You know, you need to go down there and play. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, it sucks because my dad's here, you know, and, um, you know, he's never seen me play. 
and then I was thinking to him, I said to him, I said, well, aren't we going to the playoffs? He's like, yeah, but we don't need you here. And so I was like, all right, man. And I was kind of bummed because I was trying to figure out how my dad's going to go down to Chattanooga and watch <laughs> me play down there. And then he goes, no, you're going to Cincinnati. And then the whole thing happened again. I was like, oh, man, you know, my dad has never seen me play, and I've got to go to Cincinnati <laughs> and call, tell him. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of got me there. And, and, you know, managers always have those little things about, you know, PK does it here and other guys do it around how to how to tell your guys they're going to the big leagues. And it was exciting for me. And, and he got me on that one. But he, he was always he was always a guy that, you know, was a catcher and, and was able to talk to you about it. But he kind of let me do my own thing. Uh, that's really cool. And uh, recording this while the bats are in Columbus, it was a good story of PK telling Philip Deal he was going to the big leagues right. just a couple of nights ago. To that to that point, and, and certainly hoping to have Dave on this podcast at some point before before nice. we wrap it up. So you were with the Reds and, and had time at least uh, at some point in Louisville from 01 to 04, and then uh, and then bounced around a little bit. The the Twins claimed you off waivers. I know. Time in that organization, a little bit of time with the Mariners, the Red Sox, the Braves a couple of years. Um, Want to fast forward to, to 2009 when you were with the White Sox, got traded back to the Reds. Norris Hopper went to Chicago. You came back to Cincinnati. Uh, Rick Sweet, managing Nashville now, obviously the, the skipper of the bats at that time in 2009, the winningest manager uh, in franchise history. He told the story last year when I was talking to him uh, that he initiated the trade to get you back into the Reds organization. Yeah. Do you, do you, what do you remember about that? hundred percent. Um, you, you know, I, I was in the big leagues with the white Sox, and, um, you know, I, I went over three with three punch outs against Roy holiday. And a couple of days later, you know, I, they traded for another catcher and sent me down. Um, I was, you know, expecting to go to to uh, Charlotte, but they said, well, we got too many people there. You know, just wait at home. We give 10 days to either trade you, uh, option you, or what, designate you. And, um, I, you know, it was just one of those things where I finally went down to Charlotte and had two games in Charlotte and then went on the road for a week, and I got put on the DL. Well, you know, Buddy Bell was, was our farm director there, and I'm like, what's going on, man? He's like, well, I think Tyler Flowers was there, and then uh, another guy was there, and I wasn't going to get playing time. They were trying to trade me. That's what they said. And I finally played a game, sat a couple days, and then Louisville came into town, and uh, Rick Sweet was over there, and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, you know, I, I don't know. They're trying to figure it out, and we got a lot of guys here, and he's like, well, we need a guy. And I said, wow, you know, I would love to come back to Louisville, you know. And, and he goes, all right, hold on. So I was in the lineup that day. And then all of a sudden, Chris Chambliss, who was also a hitting coach with, with the Reds, was uh, our um, our manager in Charlotte. And he comes up to me and goes, hey, you're out of the lineup. And I'm like, what? what's going on? He's like, oh, I can't tell you. So, you know, me being around the game kind of figured it out and was like, wow, this would be great. So I'm not, I'm not starting – I'm watching the game. Matt Maloney, who who is is a, a big time bat, is pitching, and we a absolutely shell him. You know, a couple bad hops, a couple balls down the line, and you know I'm talking crap, thinking of what's going to happen. And and he goes into the dugout in Charlotte and throws his glove, slips and falls, kicks the fan, and I'm just blowing him up. You know, well after the game they trade me. And so I have to take all my stuff from the clubhouse in Charlotte on the home side, bring it over to the visiting side. And, you know, Maloney, who I – he didn't know me at that time. You know, I just start getting on him. You know, and uh, Kevin Barker was there. He was like the older guy there. And, you know, they, they made me shave my mustache at that time. Uh, I think they had one more year before they brought it back. But uh, – it was it was a it was a funny thing to go from one clubhouse to the other and and I I ended up playing the next day and, and doing pretty well and and kind of just back at home you know and um, it, it was it was a great thing that Rick did for me and and obviously it worked out for me and Norris both so 
Yeah, it did, and, and obviously you ended up back in the big leagues again with the Reds over the years from that point on, and, and a lot of time with the bats, a, a bat at least at some point during the season from 09 then to through 2014 and kind of uh, all that time wrapped up together. Those The team you got traded to for the bats there in 09 and then in 2010, two very successful teams again, uh, mm-hmm. IL West champions both years with with Rick Sweet as the skipper. You mentioned a, a couple of the, the names, I think, that, that people remember from those years, and and a Matt Maloney and, and, and a Kevin Barker, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, a, a guy that, that uh, was uh, pretty well known in the middle of the Louisville lineup for several years. And uh, what what sorts of memories do you have about those those teams that, that were really successful and, and won a couple of division titles? Yeah, I mean, we had a, a good team. Uh, you know, Rick was a little bit different than Miley. You know, he wanted his hand in it, but he also allowed a lot of the veterans to handle stuff on the field. And he would monitor it to where if – we weren't taking care of it, then he would step in. And, you know, he, he was a, he was a good motivator. Um, you know, he, he, he wanted to be in charge and that, and that led to a lot of us, you know, taking charge ourselves. But, you know, with Matt Maloney, Kevin Barker, I think Sam LeCure came yep. up, uh, Danny Dorn, who was a guy that, I mean, he, he crushed in Louisville all the time and we finally ended up releasing him and he goes to the big leagues with another team. Um, you know, guys that were around, I think, uh, Felix Perez was on one of those teams yep. and, um, you know, it, it was, it was a time, I think we won 14 games in a row, uh, once 10, 10 games in a row. And, you know, everybody was kind of stepping up the whole time because not a lot of guys were going to the big leagues at that time. Nobody was getting hurt in the big leagues. Nobody was getting traded. Um, so it, it, when you have those teams that kind of just stay together the whole year, um, you have a, have a chance to to perform at a higher level, and and those teams definitely did. Um, bouncing around a lot, hopefully to 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 kind of bring it all together. Now, over the years, you're back in Louisville a lot. Um, wanted to ask you about this because I thought it was a pretty unique thing, especially at at, at this level of baseball. You developed. Uh, it seemed a really good relationship with Texas Roadhouse yeah. in Louisville, which which is awesome. Um, uh, still a great sponsor of the bats, and and uh, you know the the one that they've since moved it now to to, to the Shelbyville Road area across from the mall. But um, there was the booth there off on Dutchman's Lane on Breckenridge yep. that had that had some of your memorabilia in it, which was uh, a pretty uh, a pretty well something that really stands out in my mind. How how did all that kind of come about? Um. The GM over there, I, I forget his name. I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Um, but he had come to the to some of the games, and his kids really, you know, liked me. We talked. We had a good time. <clears throat> and he had asked about a bobblehead, you know, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I guess I'm not a prospect anymore, And um, which was funny because, you know, guys like Aroldis Chapman and sure. guys like that were coming in that they would have bobbleheads after one year. And I was, he's like, well, you've been here eight years, nine years, 10 years, and you don't have a bobblehead. And he goes, I'm going to fix that. And then they ended up getting a bobblehead. And um, I would go to the roadhouse and, and sign autographs for them and, and do that. So they kind of made uh, a corner for me and, you know, opposite of Willie Nelson, who was always <laughs> one of the roadhouse uh, staples there. But um, we became friends and, and I helped him out and, you know, I, I loved going around in the community in, in Louisville and, and meeting the people and seeing the people that have been coming to to uh, the games when they were, were, were kids. I mean, it was pretty, pretty unique for me to be there for that long and, and be able to go generational uh, gaps with people that were kids that were bringing their kids now or, you know, grandparents that were bringing their kids grandsons now or granddaughters and and just meeting them and and be being just a normal person yeah really really cool uh and and i think a unique thing and certainly the triple a level um 2014 kind of uh your last year playing um there was the Corky Miller night uh, at, at the bats, uh, August 31st of 2014. Uh, your jersey, the first ever retired, the number eight there, your number, the first ever retired at Louisville Slugger Field. What what was that night like for you? Well, I mean, that night, uh, it was very special. Uh, to, to me, you know, I, I don't know if it happens if I don't come back. I had 
plan not to come back in 2014, um, you know, end of the year in 2013 in the big leagues with the Reds yep. and kind of just, you know, at 38 years old, just not wanting to go to spring training, not wanting to go through the grind again. Um, through conversations with Brian Price at the time, who was the manager, and um, and Walt, it was it was something that they talked me into coming back to play, um, which I think ended up m letting me pass um, the doubles leader. You yeah, know, I yeah. ended up with ninety nine. Uh, maybe I had a triple in there that I shouldn't have done that, but you know, kind of in May when we had. Tucker Barnhart and a couple other guys in there, then I wasn't going to play. They put me on, on the DL and, you know, I just, I wanted to go home. I wanted to spend time with my family and I did that and kind of went into coaching from there. Um, and Greg Galliette, I mean, surprised me by asking if I'd, I'd want to do that. And going down to Louisville with, with my family at that time and having them retire my number and, you know, having the jersey mounted and the number eight up behind home plate was was really something special and that I don't take for granted. And, you know, it's something that, you know, will stick with me forever, you know. And it's even funny that, you know, some of the guys now that, you know, look up there and they ask about number eight and then, you know, guys that known me will tell them. And, um, you know, it's a special thing to, to do and, and be a part of the Louisville family down there. It's a really unique situation, and it's really awesome, and it's been cool, the, the connection that has sort of kept on uh, over the years. You mentioned 2013, going back to that. Uh, you, you got to go to the big leagues. Again, ended up being for for the last time, as you mentioned, and, and uh, uh, a good deal of success in the big leagues in 2013. That was uh, obviously a, a solid Reds team as it ended up being went to the playoffs. And uh, what was that like, getting to, getting to go up that one more time? Yeah, I mean, it was – you know, that was kind of the plan, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. Um, obviously, in 11 and 12, there was no injuries sure. with, with uh, I think it was Hannigan and um, Ramon Hernandez. Hernandez. Uh, you know, but being there and also, you know, having Devin Mazzarocco there and having Tucker Barnhart there, you know, the playing time wasn't as much as I would like it to be. But, you know, obviously I wasn't uh, – you know, I was I was older. I was just kind of the veteran guy that was going to be around there. And then when something happened in 2013, you know, it was it was a surprise, and it was a great surprise to be able to do that, and which I thought would be my end of my career. But um, you know, going up there, and I think it, there was just a uh, a couple different instances where you know Hannigan was hurt, so I got called up, and then Hannigan was coming back. Well, Ramon got hurt, so I stayed. And then it kind of went back and forth and, and ended up, you know, we talk about all the time in this game is a lot of it is, you know, the pressure you put on yourself. And, and, I, and I did that. And that's one thing that, you know, I try to convey to these guys. Like, you can't put that much pressure to stay in the big leagues or stay on the team. You know, like, you have to go out and play. So in 2013, I think it was my last year, I, I didn't really put as much pressure on myself. And I ended up playing really well. And... um I think I got in the end of August, I ended up having a collision at the plate, yep. whereas the first time they, I got put on the DL in my big league career. So I ended up spending, you know, 10 days before September and then going through September. And uh, being a part of that team with, with Joey and, and Jay Bruce and Heisey and, and those guys was awesome. Like they, they ask, a lot of people ask what's my favorite red highlight. And, um, Jay Bruce walk off Homer yep. to, to clinch the playoffs was, was one of them. And, and I was in the bullpen at that time, which was in left center. Yep. So like the ball hit the wall, everybody's running out. I ended up picking up the ball for Jay and, um, you know, just having that, uh, celebration with those guys, you know, was one of my favorite Reds, uh, memories, even though I played with a lot of, a lot of guys like, you know, Barry Larkin and junior and, um, Adam Dunn and Austin Kurds and Danny Graves and guys like that are still big with the Reds. And, you know, it, it's something that I, that people can't take away. And I was so happy to be a part of it. Yeah. You got, I mean, a really interesting cross section of Reds history that you got to play with yeah. uh, being in the organization for a lot of years. Um, you, you talked about the early ones in, in, in 01 and, and those early years and, and then moving forward, um, 
some of the guys you got to play. How cool was it when you got to play with someone maybe in Louisville um, and then and then you get to play with them again in the big leagues? You mentioned Chris Heisey. I know there was mm-hmm. uh, extended time with him uh, in Louisville, and then you get to go play in the big leagues with them. Like, how, how cool is that yeah. uh, when you when you kind of see the guy coming up and then you get to be in the big leagues with him too? Yeah, that, that it was it, – it, it is great. I mean, obviously when you have dudes that you're playing with in Louisville and you're grinding out every day in the minor leagues, which – 12-hour bus rides and, and, and tough days at the field, and then all of a sudden we're all in the big leagues. Um, you know, it, it's it's cool because they looked to me a little bit on, on some of the things that they didn't know, you know, when they first got called up. But, you know, it, it was it was an awesome, awesome time to have guys coming up and down, like same with Matt Maloney and, and Sam LeCure. And I remember Dusty telling me when Sam got called up for, I think, the second or first time to start, you know, Hey, make sure that he's all right. Make sure he's not doing anything stupid. So I was kind of put on Sam Lequeur, uh patrol for a day or two in St. Louis because he, he's from St. Louis and sure. had a lot of people in town. And, um, you know, it, it was great for me both uh, for the player side and for the staff side because Dusty had talked to me uh, extensively about guys. Like he would – we'd go on some fishing trips and on off days and he would – you know, talk about a role this and talk about like LaCure and a couple other guys like Jared Burton or Carlos Fisher, who was, sure. you know, back and forth a lot of those times. So, you know, I kind of had that experience and, and that relationship with all those guys that um, kind of made me who I am today. You were almost uh, uh, sort of becoming uh, a player coach to a degree because yeah. they could go to you and, and uh, ask you about guys kind of, kind of in that way I, w- I would imagine that helped uh, a lot with the transition in, into the role you have now yeah I, I'm sure the last um probably four or five years of my playing career was was largely based on what I could do as a not necessarily a coach but a guy that's with these guys with Devin and and Tucker and guys like that where you know if we can work as hard as we can in, in the AAA level and then that's what they're trying to do. So put Devin on the 40 man, he goes up and, and becomes an all-star same with Tucker. And he goes up and becomes an all-star. And, um, since Oh five, you know, everybody was asking me about, well, when are you become a coach, when are you going to become a coach? And if it was somebody, uh, on a coaching staff from the reds or, or another organization, I said, well, when you guys stop signing me to play, you know, and <laughs> I, I always took that as, um, you know, something that I took pride in was was helping out the pitchers and catchers and, and other young guys that would come up. Yeah, and uh, got to see that firsthand. Really, really awesome stuff. Um, curious about your your view on this. You still get a chance to go back to Louisville in your role as catching coordinator with the Reds. And, um, you know, how have you seen it kind of change over the years? You know, you were there back in 2001. Uh, here we are 21 years later and still getting a chance to, to come back at least every now and again. Uh, how have you seen it? Obviously, there's been different things to the ballpark, but uh, but how have maybe you kind of seen things change over the years? Uh, in Louisville, you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah obviously, the city has changed. I yeah. mean, the downtown area. Um, you know, I think in 0102, it was kind of a place you you wanted to get out of as fast as you could. And and now going back, and even when I was playing with 4th Street Live and mm-hmm. Main Street there in the arena and everything that's been put down there, you know, it, it it gives me excitement to know that. And, you know, I always love that place. But when people ask about, you know, where's your favorite minor league place in the International League, you know, Louisville's the top of a lot of people's lists. You know, you have the food, you have the culture, you have have – the scenery if you don't want to be downtown and um you know the stadium for me like going in that place you know a lot of times you know you got to shake yourself when you know for you guys you don't know you walk down out of the parking lot and you got that long walk by the, the visiting clubhouse through behind the home plate and then into the home clubhouse and sometimes going in there the faces that i've seen before aren't there um but, you know, it's still the same thing. I remember, you know, my kids running around um, the the clubhouse and, and Rick Sweet, you know, making sure that they were always welcome in there. And, you know, the cookies are the same spot. And the soda machine, yeah. well, soda machine's not there anymore. I think it's probably a Gatorade machine. But, yeah. you know, everything is the same. 
you know, Jeff Koppel, who was a, a clubhouse guy when I first got there, who owns a restaurant downtown. Now mm-hmm. it's not there. Derek Jewell, who was a longtime clubby there, he's not there. Um, you know, Miley and, and Sweet aren't there. But PK is, is a guy that I've been around for a long time in the Reds organization. And um, it, it's, it's sometimes it's like, well, what's going on? Then walking down to the dugout, you know, and just kind of remembering things that happen um, is pretty cool. I mean, I've only been up in the suites like two times in in 14 to 15 years that I've been there. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's an, an amazing place. I mean, Mary, is, she's been around a long time. And, you know, Greg also has been around a long time, who's, who's like family. If I ever need anything, they call me. If they ever need anything, they, they'll, they'll let me know, and, and I'm glad to help in any way. Yeah, Greg, certainly the relationship there. Do, do you have any good um, – everyone seems to have one, and I, I never really have gotten to know her, but do you have a good Mary Barney story from, from your time there? Well, no, I mean, they're all great. You know, I, <laughs> I, I always remember her coming in and, you know, her trying to tell everybody that, hey, I'm the mother, I'm the mother. If you need anything, let me know. And when she would leave, i say, okay, well, if Mary's the mother, I'm the granddad. If you need anything, let me know. Um, but, you know, she took care of everybody, and um, she's helped me more uh, more times than not, you know, if I ever need anything. And she, she would never push anything. And, you know, obviously she doesn't have to do as much as she had to back then. Um, you know, she was in charge of everything. You know, and now we have more people and more stuff that people have to worry about. But she, she's an amazing person. Uh, what was your favorite um – Put Louisville aside. You just talked about that, but your favorite—you—you uh, you obviously got to do the loop in the international league quite a bit. The the old school, I guess, uh, more old school fourteen team IL. Uh, what was your favorite road city in in the IL when when you were a bat? Well, I mean, we're here in Columbus. Yeah, uh, I know um, the, the Reds fans here in Columbus are great. I remember um, I'll just toot my own horn and getting a standing ovation when I when I pitched out here and. In Columbus, in an 18 to two loss, um, most of the times at the end of the year, you know, you have a team party to celebrate the year, and 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 the probably the last four or five years we always had it in Columbus, and have some great uh, connections here with with some restaurants and stuff where we go and have uh, a good dinner for everybody, and you know, ha- hang out, kind of talk about the year. So Columbus was with this new stadium. I mean, the old oh, yeah. stadium was a lot different. Um, how long has that been? 11, 12 years or something? Uh, this one opened in 2009. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, since 2009, coming here is, is always a, a good a good place. You can walk to the stadium from the hotel. Uh, Indy, also, you know, a big, sure. big league uh, city. You know, but there's other, other ones that, you know, are the sleeper cities that you can go to and, and find something. And the way that we did it, it didn't really matter where – we were at you know there would always be um pretty much my room where people would come and we can play cards and talk about the game and you know have have some conversations late into night um a lot of things that we can't talk about but um <laughs> yeah it, you know th- those two places were were a couple of the, the the good places toledo obviously you know this whole area where you spend you know three or four or five six series a year yeah. you know it kind of it kind of makes it a little bit easier to enjoy the city the sort of the second home all the uh yeah. all the old il west i guess uh, yeah. as it turns out um wanted to ask you also about uh, maybe some rapid fire with some specific guys you played with and you've you've mentioned a bunch yeah uh, but you've you've played with a lot of guys uh what do you remember about aroldis chapman and, and getting a chance to play with him and 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 catch him yeah aroldis was 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 one of the hardest pitchers to catch when he first got here. Um, you know, throwing, you know, his, his mindset was to throw 105, you know, so that's what he tried to do as a starter. And it was tough and the communication was tough. Even, um, we, we had guys translating, but you know, he had one thing in mind is throw as hard as he can. Um, you know, we went from one game in, in Buffalo where he, he, we scored eight, he gave up eight. He, we scored five. He gave up five, and he was just madder than heck, you know. And, and it, for for anybody who doesn't know, in Buffalo, the scoreboard is right behind the pitcher. Yep. So big lefties throw right out of the numbers, and if the ball's up, you you can't see. It. And if it's 102, 
you can't barely catch it. You know, so I don't know if he was mad at me um, or not. But he ended up throwing like he was throwing 88 to 91 and just saying, oh, you know, whatever, I don't care. And he got hit around a lot. Um, I think shortly after that, I got called up and, and we talked. I talked with Dusty on one of those fishing trips about Aroldis and, you know, what, what I thought. And, you know, obviously it didn't matter. But, you know, I was like, man, I, I don't know if this guy could be a starter this year. If you want to put him in the bullpen, he's going to be a great closer. Fast forward the next year, I mean, this dude was one of the easiest dudes to catch, you know, because he had focused and he his slider gotten better, you know, and he was putting the ball in a spot that was the size of maybe a beach ball instead of the size of a barn. So it became a, a lot easier to catch, and to see that was, was amazing to me and how much focus he had when he got to the big leagues. Uh, really cool uh, insight there. Uh, a guy that uh, was a veteran guy, uh, was a bat, Dontrell Willis, a, a, a very well-known name that you had a chance to play with. Oh, man, uh, the D train. You know, I saw him this, this spring, and, you know, first thing he does, the big smile, comes and gives me a hug. And, you know, he was one of the first guys that, um, you know, announced or not announced but told reporters when he got called up to Cincinnati again um, after a few years of, of rough AAA ball sure. um, that I helped him. And, you know, that, that really hit me. I don't expect guys to do that. Maybe, you know, they think that, and, and, and I'm, I know in my heart that they'll say that to me. But when he says it to the media, I, I was, like, floored. Um, and and he, he'll still say it to this day if guys are around. He's like, he helped me get back to the big leagues. I remember one, one game, uh, you know, I put down fastball, and he shakes it. And I was like, oh, put down fastball, and he shakes it again. So I'm like, oh, he wants to throw a slider, put down slider, throws a slider, and it gets whacked off the wall for a double. So I'm walking out. He's like, my bad, my bad, Cork. I'll never shake you again. I said, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the slider. It was just a horseshit pitch, you know. And <laughs> and he kind of looked at me, and he was like, fair, fair, fair. And, and uh, you know, after that, he, he was always saying, you know, appreciative of how uh, honest I was on, on – with him and he was a great dude i mean he took so i had the captain logo on there right on my jersey the last couple of years and you know he he wanted to be part of that so he ended up getting an a as alternate on his jersey <laughs> which was funny and that's how we we, we kind of ran that team is is a couple guys that have been around a long time and and that was literally one of the funnest teams i don't think we did very well in the standings but there we had a lot of guys go to the big leagues that year yeah, right in that uh, that heart of uh, kind of those, uh, I think, 2011. I know he was there yeah. the, the last winning year that, that the Bats have had. Yeah. have not had a winning year since 2011. Um, what about Todd Frazier? Had a chance to play with him and obviously yeah. a guy that has become became a fan favorite in Cincinnati. Yeah, Todd, uh, Todd was a roommate of mine for a couple of years. Um, you know, Jersey boy and, and really young at times and, and really – was was uh, a butt of a lot of our jokes because of how intense he was and how much uh you know pride he took about him and his family and his team and you know he he was a roommate we ro we roomed together for two years um and and he's just a weird dude but he's one of the most you know genuine guys and and he he loved baseball you know even though he would he would get so fired up and we would just go dang todd like you know, take it easy. But he, he was a guy that would would relish in those clutch situations. Obviously, when he won the home run derby, that was a situation where you saw that. And he loves his family. His his, his brothers who played, you know, were all, you know, all, all guys that love baseball. And Todd Todd's always, you know, a guy. My, my kids called him Uncle Uncle Todd. And, you know, they he would if I needed something, he would answer and, and, and let me know. Uh, a couple more. Uh, a guy that was, well, ended up in various forms with the bats almost as much as you was Homer Bailey. Mm -hmm. uh, he he was there uh, a lot of years, whether it be with the team or on rehab or or what have you. What do you remember about yeah. Homer? Homer and I had had a, you know, looking back, a great relationship. Uh, it it was a, a tough, tough relationship for me uh, because on the way Homer is and. You know, going back to a lot of things where, you know, I, I ended up catching Homer a lot the last couple of years in the big leagues. Um, 
whether that's because he didn't like throwing to somebody or I was just the guy that he felt like was the best opportunity for him. Um, I, I studied a lot of his stuff, a lot of his games, helped him out. Um, and, you know, Homer is very stubborn and very, you know, Homer, you know. And so it was always like, wow, oh, you know, I don't understand. You know, I don't know how Homer feels about me. But, you know, we always had a, a good relationship. And uh, I I had texted him for tickets when I, I think he was with um, San Francisco or somebody. I can't remember who he was. And he was in Chicago. And, you know, I didn't know if he'd text back. Text back right away. We ended up uh, texting back and forth for you know, about 20 minutes, and it was pretty cool. He was asking about my life, asking about coaching. Last year when he was uh, with with the Olympic team and, yeah. and Mark Colesbury was down there, so I had texted him and asked him, hey, you know, what do you think of Colo? Not two minutes later, he calls me, and I'm, I'm like, what? I, I didn't even know if I should answer it. I don't know what's going on. And we ended up talking for 30 minutes, and, and he, he gave – nothing but high marks about Colesbury and and I was just like man I, is this really Homer Bailey and and it was it was an amazing experience to know how much that he he took our friendship past plane and it was it was something cool that I I always think about and how you know sometimes if relationships aren't very good communication that they keep growing really neat um one more guy uh Another guy that was around quite a bit. We haven't mentioned him. Chad Reineke mm -hmm. uh, had had kind of that uh, that veteran presence yeah. in the clubhouse as well, a along with you for some for some years. Yeah, the old man Reineke. Yeah, we called him old man Reineke because he would he would sit down. There was you know everybody would get to the field at different times, kind of do their own thing, and most times it was do the crossword. Well, you know I think it was me and Negron, Chris Negron and. Um, I think even Hessman and guys like that who would try to do the crossword. And within 10 minutes, old man Reineke would throw that thing down on, on the table. And, you know, it was like, ah, everybody would throw their, their paper up like, ah, oh, crap. Because if you didn't know the answer, you just go looked over at Chad's um, his paper. But, you know, he wasn't even that old. We just called him old man yeah. Reineke because of the way he moved and the way he um went about his bit i mean great dude great family guy i think he's still in louisville i think correct? so too yeah. and um you know he, he'll text me every now and then and uh just a guy that you know he grinded through some years with when he didn't have his best stuff and then you know would still get outs and he was a thinker and he was a guy that you know again anytime i need something or he needs something that we can text each other and, and figure it out yeah, you brought up one other guy. I lied. One more. You mentioned that Grown, who's now in the big leagues with the Mariners yeah. uh, as uh, as a base coach there. Um, another guy that was in Louisville uh, a number of years and uh, I think really well remembered. Spider Man. Uh, yeah. what, what do you remember about playing with him? Ah, uh, Chris, man, he 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 was he was an amazing player. I mean, he put it out there all the time. Good dude. I mean. It, same with same with Valeka too. I mean, yeah, he's in yeah. the big leagues with uh, with Cleveland now, yep. and and again, I I don't know what I had uh, to do with any of it, and if I did at all. But you know, to see those guys excel and do what they're doing, I mean, that just shows like the kind of guys that we had around. And you know, Chris grinded out for a long time and ended up getting getting some years in the big leagues, not just with the Reds, but with some other teams, and. Um, you know, you, it was a guy that you always rooted for, and Louisville always showed that. And, you know, that just shows you the passion for the game that Louisville has and, and, and how much they know about people, not just how good the team is or whatever, but, you know, the, the, the fan base that shows that they could understand the person and, you know, have those guys around and in the big leagues. Danny, Danny Dorn, who was there, was with the, is coaching with the Dodgers, you know. So it's like a lot of those guys – that the fans loved in Louisville are, are su succeeding at the higher level. Yeah, really need to see the progression of everybody o over the years. Uh, a couple more for you. Uh, first of all, how did you develop the knuckleball? I think people also remember you. You mentioned a, a pitching performance earlier here. Uh, you became a guy later on that took the mound quite a bit when the yeah. situation dictated it. Yeah, well, uh, Jared Fernandez, who was on that 0-1 team, uh, you know, when people talk about guys that, I love to catch or who was my best catcher I've caught. You know, I could 
I could say John Smoltz, I could say Tim Hudson or, or Danny Graves or, you know, Mark Burley. Um, but my favorite guy was, was Jared Hernandez, who was, had a tremendous knuckleball, got to the big leagues when the only guy in the big league stone knuckleballs was Tim Wakefield. And um, I, nobody could throw it like him, but, you know, every day when we'd play catch, I would work on it with him. Um, obviously, when you get older and you're not a prospect anymore and you need someone to come in to, to clean up a game, um, you know, it's it's usually the oldest guy on the team, and that was me for a long time. Uh, but, yeah, just, you know, playing catch with the pitchers all the time and, and being able to get on the mound a few times with, with Mac Jenkins or, or Ted Power, you know, some of our pitching coaches here that would allow you to do that, um, you know, kind of helped me out. I, and I, I lied again. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> no, it's fine. I, 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 I left out Ted Power yeah. uh, because I, I think he uh, – I mean, he was the dean of IL pitching coaches, and yeah. uh, before he got to go to the big leagues with the Reds in 2016, had been in Louisville forever. And I know uh, you got to travel around and be around Teddy a lot, and, yeah. and I got to ask you about that guy. Man, uh, Uncle Teddy, you know, he, he was – he. I, I mean, I, I see him uh, pretty much every year, you know, at least two or three times with, with Reds functions and the fantasy camp out in – uh, good year, and uh, we coached together out there for three or four years. Um, he had to miss a year because of his uh, involvement at IMG. Sure. Um, but, you know, he, he, he was a guy that, you know, would get on you. But he would also praise you, you know, n not only to, you know, other people, but to the front office and the reports. And, you know, he was a guy that you could talk to. But you knew that if you're going to talk to you, you were going to get a truthful answer. And, uh, you know, he's going to tell you what he thought. Um, you know, he would be a guy that would come over to the room and play cards and sit and talk about some of his stuff. And, and a lot of people didn't realize the career that he had was was pretty amazing with the Reds and the Dodgers and stuff like that. So um, still, still a guy that, you know, I talked to uh, regularly throughout the year, um, you know, going into – Florida, you know, I'll see him if I'm going down there to see Daytona team and, you know, have have lunch with them. And, and he's he's just he's just an amazing person. Uh, no doubt. One of the one of the greats to talk to and uh, just about anything and, and always willing to share knowledge about pitching yeah, uh, yeah. for us, which is which is very valuable. Uh, one more to kind of wrap it up, I guess. And you've talked a little bit about this, but I, I think when 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 people think of the Louisville bats, people in Louisville think of the bats. Uh, I don't think there's a more synonymous player with the bats than you. And, and how, how much, uh, how much pride do you, do you take in that? Well, I, like, like, you know, you said, I've talked about it before. Um, it, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know if it's the pride. I don't know if it's, you know, just the, the, the feeling because I, I am pretty humble when it comes down to that. And, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be anything less than what the fans thought of me and you know I always talk about maybe it was there I was there for so long that was just easy enough for them to grab onto somebody and in a time where guys would come and go especially in a in a triple a um, setting where guys that are good enough go to the big leagues <laughs> you know guys that aren't good enough get released or get sent away and to be just good enough to play in Louisville for for all those years um you know, it's something that I, I, I love, and I, you know, I love the fans of Louisville, and I love the the family that they had, um, and and it's just a testament to the the fan base that's there and that would come to the games, year in and year out, night in and night out. Um, you know, always striving to give them as much as um, we put on the field and give them uh, enough to hold on to, and. You know, that, that goes back to not just me, and maybe that's one of the things that I'm most proud of is, like, if I look at, like, Chris Negron or Danny Dorn or Vileka or guys like that that also took time. Dennis Phipps, who was there, and, yeah. you know, another guy that kind of won over Louisville last year in um, – I'm drawing a uh, – Narciso Crook? N Crook, yeah, Narciso. You know, that kind of person. Um you know, I think someone asked me the other day, you know, I've, I've playing as many games as I did in Louisville, like, will that be broken? Like, 
you know, I don't know, Ear Baron, you know, who was there for a long time. Yeah. You know, like he was probably the guy that was going to be the closest to me. Um, but it just doesn't work out that way anymore. And, um, you know, I'd love to see somebody do that. But, you know, is it going to happen or not? I'd rather them get to the big leagues instead, um, especially from some of our catchers. But, yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, no one can ever take away from me. And hopefully um, I'm able to go back as much as I can and and be around the people down there uh, i know folks looking forward to seeing you as often as possible uh, appreciate the time today it's been awesome and uh hope folks have enjoyed it and uh well looking forward to seeing you back in yeah, Louisville real uh, soon this year yeah that'd be great if i come down we can do it again or you know if you never have a guest that wants to be with you i'll always jump on with you appreciate that yeah. <laughs> that, that means a lot it's number eight corky miller uh, appreciate it corky yeah, thank you all right, uh, great stuff from Corky Miller and, and just uh, really appreciative that he was able to sit down and take some time to, to record that while the bats were in Columbus. Uh, well, as we record this, just this past week and uh, uh, in that late April trip to Columbus, the bats' only trip to Columbus in 2022, a great destination for Corky, as you heard him mention. Certainly enjoyed trips to Columbus over the years and some great insight on a number of different uh, guys he played with, played for, and some great memories uh, of his time in Louisville, still very fond of here. And I know uh, folks here very fond of him whenever he's able to make it back to town. The uh, current Reds catching coordinator in the minor leagues, Corky, has uh, fit right into that role and, and been fantastic to still be able to see him around various places and, and great stuff catching up with him. Cannot thank him enough for sitting down for the podcast. Uh, we've got some fun episodes in store, as mentioned. Not exactly sure which one we're going to drop next week, but we will have one next week, so be sure to check back for that. Again, however you have uh, found us, we appreciate it, whether it be on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts. We're available in all of those places. Uh, leave a review, rate us, subscribe, whatever you can do. Helps, uh, helps out the podcast a little bit, and we certainly appreciate that as well. One more big thanks to Corky Miller. Looking forward to next week's episode. We'll be back next Monday with another episode. I'm Nick Curran. This is Louisville Bats Franchise at 40. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.